0: Welcome to this edition of Perspectives in the Inflammation podcast, a series brought to you by the CSF, Cytokine Signaling uh, Forum, uh, which shines a spotlight on to experts in the field of inflammation and their research interests. My name is Baldurillo Azevedo, I'm from the Federal University of Paraná in Brazil, and joining me today is Dr. Enrique Soriano from the Hospital Italiano in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Welcome Enrique Soriano. It's a pleasure to have you here. You are a great friend. Uh, we have been working together for so many years.
1: Yeah, thank you Valderillo and thank you for this invitation and thank you CSF for inviting me to participate in this podcast. And Well, it's a great pleasure to talk with you Valderillo.
0: Well, Enrique, uh, I know that you have been working at the Hospital Italiano, Buenos Aires, uh, now for about 30 years. That's a lot yeah. of time,
1: right? <laughs> 30 years. That, that talks and, about my age.
0: <laughs> I'm figuring out how old are you I, I can... <laughs> Yeah,
1: you don't make about... any maths.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us about the, the institution you work in uh, and the clinical research program there? A little bit about your interests?
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. Well, the Italian Hospital, the Hospital Italiano in Buenos Aires, is one of the largest hospitals, probably is the largest hospital in Argentina. It's a private hospital, but it's a university hospital, so it has its own uh, university. Uh, and um, it's a very large uh, with all these specialties, uh, so um, uh, it's uh, around 700 uh, beds, uh, and we we see more uh, than 100,000 patients per month in the outpatient uh, clinic. So it's very large and is very well known. And uh, when you start in this hospital, I did my internal medicine uh, residency here. It says the it has uh, three pillars, and one is uh, the uh, um, uh, assistance, so to see and to treat patients in the best way, uh, but the education and the research. So, this, those are the three pillars here. So, since I, you start here, research and education are very important parts of uh, your, your life here in the Italian hospital. So, um, and that's something that always attracts me.
0: Yeah, uh, you are now, of course, the head of the Rheumatology Unity, I know that, but, and the, you are the chair of PANLAR, the chair of yeah. PANLAR, the president of PANLAR, uh, and I, uh, I would like to discuss your current positions further, of course, but before mm-hmm. I do, I would like to turn back uh, the clock a little to find out what first attracted you to the, the
1: field of rheumatology,
0: what, what has motivated you At the beginning to become a
1: rheumatologist? Yeah when I finish my uh, as most of us, many of us uh, I don't have any exposure to rheumatology during my uh, medical career I study at the Buenos Aires University and uh, during my internal residency um, I start seeing patients with rheumatic conditions and that attract me And also, the head of the rheumatology um, unit at that time was uh, Dr. Catorjo, a very well known uh, rheumatologist that has trained abroad and has a lot of interest in research. Uh, So, that also attracted me. Uh, So, when I finished my internal residency, uh, he offered me to stay as fellow. uh, And I I accepted because I like it and more many of us, um, that the rheumatology is a very clinical uh, uh, speciality, so you you keep many of the uh, clinical uh, um, characteristics, clinical uh, um, knowledge you, you acquire during your internal uh, medicine residency and you keep that along your career. So I I still like that. Uh, The patients have a lot of challenges. Uh, They are difficult patients. They are, they need the um, opinion of different specialities. Um, So uh, as as we can see now, even the COVID-19 seems to need rheumatology for some of their treatments. So I think it's, uh, so that attracted me uh, at the beginning. And that's why I, I choose to to do rheumatology, and I'm I'm very happy of my uh, what I choose at that moment. Yeah.
0: And as a rheumatologist, of course, you had a, the opportunity to influence other rheumatologists in your country, right? Some other young rheumatologists uh, they yeah we try to follow we, your career. You know, to follow. Uh, you. Well,
1: we have a, a large uh, um, fellowship here. We have. Nine uh, trainees here, there are nine fellows, and we have in these last thirty years we train a lot of 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 rheumatologists that are now spread uh, around Argentina and even from some other countries. So, yeah, and and the thing that we try to to <clears throat> uh, pass to them is this uh, enthusiasm for uh, the patient, their complex disease, and also to try to uh, do some research. We mainly do clinical research, but the research for us is, is very, very important. Um, Look, looking at your,
0: uh,
1: your uh, field
0: of knowledge, I, I, you have a number of key areas of interest within the uh, within rheumatology, including disease prevention, the role of ultrasound, ultrasound in prognosis and pathogenesis, especially in, in, in psoriatic arthritis also. In your review published last year titled Interventions on Modifiable Risk Factors for the Development of Psoriatic Arthritis, you discuss current evidence for interventions that have the p- potential to prevent psoriatic arthritis. That's very interesting. Uh, could you give an overview of the interventions of interest and in which of the, these interventions you believe to be the most uh, promising for patients?
1: Yeah, I think the uh, one thing that I've been uh, thinking in the, uh, not only me, but a lot of other people is that, well, we are improving a lot in the treatment of our disease. We have new drugs, new, we know a lot about the cytokines um, involved. But, at the end of the day, and I think it's more and more evident that um, many of our patients that are doing great we can we are unable to stop the medication, so we are treating the disease, but we are not stopping we are not curing that and I think that uh, some focus we should have is trying to prevent the development of this disease, and that's something i trying to get in more and more involved, how we can pick up this uh, patient before they develop the disease, and if, whether we can stop that. So that's why I reviewed the, a little bit of the literature there in psoriatic arthritis. And there are some things, not that many, but treating obesity, for example, is something that has been shown that can prevent with patients with psoriasis to develop psoriatic arthritis, and I think the fields that are coming now is whether treating the subclinical enthesitis will do some change, or treating very aggressively the psoriasis itself might prevent development uh, of psoriatic arthritis. In that sense, we are presenting a uh, an abstract in Grappa this year showing that in our in a large cohort of patients with psoriasis treated with different uh, ways, topics versus uh, traditional EMARS or biologic, those patients that were treated with biologic had a lower incidence of psoriatic arthritis. So I think that in some way, not only for psoriatic arthritis, for, but for many of the other diseases, I think that uh, to try to Find biomarkers and try to prevent those patients to the development of the disease is the, the way to come. I think is the, what we should focus in the next uh, years, and that's something I'm trying to do. And ultrasound plays some role there to detect subclinical enteritis as well. So that's why we are also have a large group. Uh, doing ultrasound and we are we have been doing some research related to the role of the images and ultrasound in um, the uh, assessment and also the prevention of these diseases. So yeah, it's a field that I think it's, it's very important.
0: Yeah, you talked about obesity, Obesity, the prevalence of obesity in psoriatic and also psoriasis. Patients is very high yeah, but the, you know, Benzit by itself is an inflammatory, inflammatory status, but uh, in your opinion, uh, talking about other non-pharmacological interventions, what do you think it's, can we uh, anticipate to the, to the patients, like the, for example, smoking, we have a lot of discussion about smoking, is it a yeah. risk factor to psoriatic arthritis or is it not?
1: Well, it's. I think it, um, there are contradictory uh, results. Uh, some there are a couple of studies that show that it's a risk factor. There are those studies from Daphna Gladman that are showing that it's a protective factor. So it's, it's quite difficult to say. I think that uh, probably uh, we usually uh, not only. Because of the disease, but also because of all the other uh, bad things related uh, associated with smoking, cardiovascular disease that is also a risk factor and is uh, increased in our patients with uh, inflammatory conditions. I think we try to encourage uh, patients to stop smoking. So I think from the modifiable uh, things we can do is mainly well try. To uh, to treat obesity, uh, stop smoking are, are two important ones, and, you know, the uh, stress on the uh, enthesitis and this uh, is also something that um, should be looked into. We, d- we didn't encourage people to stop doing exercise, we encourage them to do exercise, but perhaps if they had uh, contact exercise, or very hard exercise. Well perhaps that's not as good. Um... yeah.
0: Yeah the uh sorry advert arthritis qu- uh, requires a very good physician, a very good clinical <laughs> uh, background because you have to treat you have to look at hypertension, you have to look at dyslipidemia, obesity, so so many other factors you have to look at the Not only you have to be constant, you're constant up have to be treatment pharmacological treatment. not to look at the patient as a as a, the entire the, the entire organism. But uh, yeah, a number absolutely. of publications. Sorry, sorry. Uh, no,
1: no, no. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree. Yeah,
0: yeah. A number of publications focus on the use of ultrasound. Looking back to the ultrasound uh, to the ultrasound in the prognosis and pathogenesis of psoriatic arthritis. Uh, could you could you give us a little background uh, uh, on? Uh, an, investi- an investigation that you had published in, 19, in 2017, if I'm not if I'm sure, uh, where you investigated the value of, of uh, Power Doppler, that it's important, Power Doppler ultrasound, for predicting short-term flares in patients with psoriatic arthritis.
1: Yeah, one thing that we, we observed at some time was that uh, when we were uh, stopping or, or uh, reducing The uh, tapering medication in our patients that were in clinical remission, many of them flare. So we start saying, "Well, what's uh, perhaps clinical remission is not enough." So we are we start looking at uh, what we'll say ultrasound activity. So we try start. to uh, ultrasound, uh, mainly hands and feet uh, of all our patients with uh, rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis that were in remission, and we found that a high percentage of them, almost forty percent of them, has still some uh, activity on the uh, ultrasound. So they were positive; they have. Uh, positive power Doppler that uh, indicating that there were some uh, residual inflammation there, even though the patients were asymptomatic and they were not complaining. so we we followed those patients up and we realized that those patients had even without changing treatment, they had uh, uh, eleven uh, times more risk to uh, flare. In the following six months, that those patients that uh, were in what we call also ultrasound remission. So we're not only in clinical remission, but also ultrasound remission. So what we are doing now is we, uh, before tapering any drug, any treatment, we are uh, doing ultrasound to see whether the the patients are in ultrasound remission as well, and if they are not. We do not increase treatment, but we do not start our tapering because we know that the risk of um, uh, flaring is 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 very high. So we are still w- with that investigation ongoing, but, but that was what we found. So we we, we see ultrasound as an extension of our uh, clinical examination. It's not that is a uh, contradiction but it is a kind of extension of that so we use it as very often when we have doubts but also when we find patients that are in clinical remission.
0: Yeah I think that ultrasound is an additional tool for our clinical practice in order to decide better in patients if you have some doubts about the uh, disease activity etc. But uh, based on the recent data of nail ultrasound in arthritis. What do you think is the role of nail ultrasound in psoriatic arthritis?
1: Well, I think it's very useful. I think uh, we have done some research related to that. Also, not only looking at the nail, but also looking at the enthesis. As you know, there are enthesis also in the distal interphalangeal joints. And we found that those patients that have uh, nail involvement, those fingers that have nail involvement, they have an increased uh, uh, prevalence of enthesitis in that uh, um, uh, extensor tendon in in that finger. So I think that's something that we want to follow up because that might be one of the ways that the uh, inflammation initiates in this patient. And that might be the explanation why patients with psoriasis and nail involvement um, are at an increased risk of developing psoriatic arthritis. So I think that's um, something that is important and also I think it's a useful tool to assess the response uh, very early uh, because you can see changes in the ultrasound before you see changes in the um, from the clinical uh, point of view. So I think it's there is a a great uh, role for the ultrasound there as well.
0: And we have a high demand demand for ultrasound use in in our clinical practice. I mean, we as rheumatologists, but people say, uh, my colleagues, they say, well, it's a very cheap uh, exam, uh, clinical imaging exam, uh, exam. It's cheaper than uh, uh, tomographies or uh, MRIs, etc but it's very expensive to, to buy, to purchase a ultrasound. Yes, I think if we are, uh, we are in the middle, we are in the middle, of, and some other new young, new, uh, new rheumatologists, very young rheumatologists, they, they always are trying to decide and to hear the opinion of the, the, the oldest rheumatologists, how important it is to have an ultrasound or start a practice of ultrasound in our daily uh, practice.
1: I think that at least you understand it, as we understood the X-rays is very important. Now every, uh, most of the training programs everywhere have an ultrasound training. Um, And also we at pal we are with the ultrasound study group. We are developing a a course for uh, training in ultrasound. So I think as part of the training, that's very important. And also I think that it uh, teaches you a lot about the anatomy uh, of, of each one of the joints. So the, the people that is training uh, ultrasound knows very well all the muscles that are uh, moving our shoulder. And I think that's a very important part of, of the training. So um, I think that, yeah, you're right probably to buy an ultrasound just for the rheumatology unit is too expensive we share our ultrasound with other specialities and i think that's the way to go so you can you you don't need one to use it a hundred percent of the time but you can share it with some other but i think that every young rheumatologist should be trained in on ultrasound musculoskeletal uh-huh.
0: Yeah, right. Thank you very much for your answer. Uh, we know that psoriatic arthritis is often pre- preceded by uh, psoriasis. It's very common to have psoriasis first and then uh, musculoskeletal symptoms of psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis. An important and answering question is whether treatment of psoriasis might influence the development of psoriatic arthritis. This is very common. People, oh, how, why do I have to treat my psoriasis. In, in treating my psoriasis, how can I block in the future the appearance of other musculoskeletal symptoms of psoriasis? You included patients on a variety of treatment of psoriasis and also um, with psoriasis without psoriatic arthritis eh, at your hospital. I mean, I'm, if I'm sure. If I'm not sure. Uh, uh, in a, ris- a retrospective cohort study, uh, some, some years ago. No, no? Yeah. Which treatment reduces the likelihood of the patient developing psoriatic
1: arthritis? What which, yeah, which uh, yeah, what we did, well we, we uh, 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 studied those patients with treated with topicals, uh, conventional DMARs and biologic DMARs and we followed them up. Those p- were patients with just psoriasis and we found that uh, patients that uh, were treated by, with biologic had a lower incidence of uh, psoriatic arthritis. So I think there is no, there is only one other study that look at that, uh, but it was an uncontrolled study. So this, um, I think that's something uh, encouraging and I think it's important, but we'll probably will need more studies to real, to prove this, because this is a retrospective cohort and we know there are a lot of bias in this, um, selection bias and some other uh, uh, important uh, issues. So, But I think that, uh, again, I was talking before, I think that is a way of uh, looking to different ways of stopping the disease to develop, not just treating it, not only treating it early, but uh, stopping it from developing. And I think it's the way to go in the near future. And I think that psoriasis is a great biomarker of psoriatic arthritis, because most of the uh, patients will develop psoriasis first. And I think it's something that we should uh, look at and, and see how we can stop psoriatic arthritis from developing.
0: That's exactly what I would like to hear from you. Um, where are we now, as you, as a chair of Bernard, where are you now? And how, how do you see things uh, unfolding in the next 10 years uh, with new developments, uh, not only to treat patients, but also understanding the prognosis of certain rheumatic diseases? Uh, what are the challenges? In your opinion, what do we need to do uh, to move forward with the in the areas of like therapeutics and uh, and also with the uh, new strategies to to approach patients with rheumatic disease in general?
1: Yeah, I think we have a lot of challenges. The first one is that uh, even though we know the important they are and um, the the um, the capacity that our um, uh, rheumatic disease uh, produce they are they know the they are not in the governments and the uh, big organizations agenda so um as, as we were talking before the the governments do not pay much attention to them the nobody is trained during their medical school on rheumatic disease so we have a, a huge challenge there and, and also we have a shortage of rheumatologists in our region and this seems that is getting worse and worse because when we we recently did a survey uh, on the incomes of uh, the rheumatologists in the region and the incomes are very low. And when we look at uh, different uh, regions, almost uh, around 15% of the rheumatologists are already, that are working, are on the retirement age, and another 30% are within five years of retirement. So I think that almost half of the rheumatologists that are around now are or already retired or about to retire in the next five years so and i think that uh, the field is very attractive but the incomes are not so i think that's another big challenge uh, and i think that um uh, have been saving a little bit the rheumatology i think is that the uh, the enormous amount of uh, research and interest that the uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies have uh, put into rheumatology and I think that keeps us going on but I think that the big challenge is to uh, get more rheumatologists get more people interest in the field and improve uh, their income so I think that's a something and uh, we i think that important an important thing is that we have been working with patients and i think it's the other way <clears throat> because um the government and the organizations uh, paid much more the attention they listen much more to patients than to doctors so i think that's um the other challenge and we are working a little bit on that
0: Soriano, thank you for your time. Yeah, it has been a great pleasure having you and having this discussion. Huh? I hope that our listeners have enjoyed our discussion uh, and gained some insights and very good insights. I I personally have gained some very good insights into how rheumatology in general, especially in the field of psoriatic arthritis, has developed over the 40 years. Uh, please subscribe to CSF on your favorite podcast app. And visit the CSF site that it's very good to download the latest papers like summaries, author interviews and monthly podcasts. Thank you very much Soliano you have a nice day.
1: Thank you Valerija and thank you CSF again and have a nice day take care bye see you soon